You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. What a great morning, yeah? Worship was powerful today. In the children's ministry, they have crazy sock day, and so I was even able to wear my bacon socks, all right? Pretty nice, that's right. Uh, So it's a great day, uh, and powerful worship. Man, Josh can belt that song out, right? He's tall, and he can sing. He's like the anti-Matt Carell. And so, like, if, if he wasn't such a great guy, I would hate him so much. But, um, but we are happy that you guys are here. Um, and so this has been just an amazing weekend. If any of you guys were part of Friday night, um, Friday night we had Night to Shine, which if, you, if you're new here, you weren't part of this, uh, it is uh, an opportunity that we had a prom for people with special needs. And uh, about eight months ago, Debbie heard about it, Debbie Duvall, and she applied and she had reached out to the Tim Tegibill Foundation and said, hey, we'd like to host this. And she hits in and then came to me a couple days later and she's like, hey, I'll let, let me tell you what we signed up for. And I was like, oh, all right. And uh, so I never would have expected this amazing night. And so six months later, uh, six months ago, the foundation contacted me and said, hey, we'd we'd love to have to be at your church. Uh, Can you give us some information? And so we filled it out, and we were just waiting to see if we would be accepted. And and they accepted us, and I never knew what we would be expecting for that night. And so throughout these several months, we've uh, been doing some work, especially Debbie and Tim have done so much, and organizing volunteers and reaching out to communities and to schools and, and to organizations and bringing in participants, bringing in volunteers. And I never knew what to expect that night. And it was amazing. And so if you were part of it, you know, like, you're, you're probably already tearing up, and, and I'm sure you had tears that night. I saw on Facebook all Friday night and Saturday people saying, this was an amazing night, this changed my life, and, and they'd show pictures of, of their buddy and their, their prom date and say that my life is forever touched by, by Hannah or by Steve, and, and it was an amazing night. And so if you weren't here, uh, we wanted to make sure that everyone was included, so we left up some of our decorations, including our disco ball, right? So we got some Staying Alive coming later, and... Uh, um, we, it was an awesome night, but we have a video to kind of bring you uh, up to date. If you weren't able to be part of it, if you're busy, or you just didn't know, uh, I want you to be part of what we saw God doing, what we saw the unexpected. <laughs>
our motto here at uh, Discovery is to discover Jesus in your place in his story. And it was so cool to see Debbie found her place. And so uh, we were going to see if Debbie and Tim could come on up. And, um, and so Debbie and Tim, uh, De- uh, if you get, as they're walking, I'll tell you, Debbie was a special ed teacher for uh, 30-some years, or just, I don't know how long, but she just recently retired a couple years ago, and she was looking for where God, God wanted her and what God would open doors for her. And, sorry, the stairs are on this side. I apologize. We make it as far as possible. If you want to go around through the door and come up the back stairs, that'll be even longer. Um, and so uh, Debbie's been looking for a place, and God put this on her heart, and she found her place in his story. And so uh, we have, uh, I think Chris is bringing out, we got flowers and, and a gift for you guys, and we, uh, Discovery just wanted to say thank you. Debbie said she didn't want to talk, so that's why I didn't give her a mic. But, but thank you so much, Debbie and Tim. It was awesome. It was way more than we could have ever expected. And if you're following along with us in Acts, and if you've read ahead, you know this week we're on Acts chapter 3, and you're going to see someone that got way more than they ever expected. You're going to see someone that just was going through his normal everyday routine, through the mundane everyday life, and he saw something amazing. In the midst of the ordinary, something extraordinary happened. And it was just a a simple beggar. It was a man that everyone had seen, a man that had been going through life. He'd been lame since birth. He's been crippled. In the midst of the ordinary, he finds something extraordinary. He finds something way more than anything he ever expected. And so if you have your Bibles, open it to Acts 3, or we have it up on the screen, and we're going to go through this chapter and see this amazing story of God's power to see the amazing story of the power of the name of Jesus. Verse 1, chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate, called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This chapter we're about to see. You have the characters, Peter and John. You have the beggar. Those are the three main people. But more importantly, we're going to see the Holy Spirit. As we've discovered, as we've been diving into the book of Acts, chapter 1, we're introduced to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is coming. And, and so Jesus is there, and he leaves so the Holy Spirit can come. And then chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit comes down. And the Holy Spirit comes in, a, in an almost as tongues of fire. And so fire often represents God throughout the, the Bible. And so we see the Holy Spirit come as fire. And so this fire comes, and the Holy Spirit comes, and they are now have the Holy Spirit inside them, upon them, around them. The Holy Spirit is guiding them. The Holy Spirit is their comforter, and the Holy Spirit is about to be the enabler of great things. And so chapter 3, we now see the Holy Spirit coming to fruition. And so we have the three characters, Peter, John, and the beggar. But more importantly, you're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see the power of the name of Jesus. And so you have Peter and John, and it's something interesting here. We've kind of got to take a pause just two verses in to see something significant about this part, about this whole story, because I feel like this is significant for the story, but significant for each of us. This is where we can relate to this story. It's Peter and John are doing their everyday routine. 
They're going to the temple at, for three o'clock prayers. Every good pious Jew would go to the temple at some point. Some would go for the morning prayer, the afternoon prayer, and the, and the evening prayer. They're going for the three o'clock prayer. This is nothing new. They're not on a, a mission to go tell about Jesus. They're not on a mission trip. They're not on anything that they are searching to do the work of God. They're just going through their everyday routine. This is regular for them. This isn't anything special. And then you have this beggar who's been lame since birth. And this is his everyday routine. That he has people that carry him over to the beautiful gate. There's nine gates that enter the temple, and the, the biggest one, the main entrance, was the gate called Beautiful. And, and so they bring this beggar to this main entrance where more people would be coming by. And they place him down on a dusty mat. And he just sits there, lays there every day, begging for money, for, for, for food, for whatever people would be willing to give. This is his ordinary routine. And so you have this beggar who's been lame since birth. And he's begging. And you have Peter and John who are just going about their everyday routine. And I think this is significant to see because sometimes we think to do God's work, it's got to be on the mission field. To do God's work, it's got to be planned. It's got to be on a sense to serve. No, this is an opportunity where two regular everyday habits are colliding and God can work. And so we, the story continues in verse 3. When he, meaning the beggar, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and, feet and ankles became strong. The miracle was instantaneous and complete, like right there before everyone's eyes he was healed, and he rose to, to his feet. And continues, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened to him. This is an amazing story. And I don't know if, if you are the same way when you, when you hear this story that that it seems interesting, but you kind of gloss over the magnitude of it. I did. First time I read it, the second time as we were studying for this week, as we were working on it, as we met several weeks ago for the creative meeting, I kind of just glossed over it because when you grow up in church, it's just routine, right? It's just a story. I've heard, not that it didn't happen, but it's just a story that I've heard over and over and over again, so it doesn't have its, its power, it's something that I, I know, okay, he gets up and walks, and, and he kind of glosses over. But if you stop and just put yourself in that picture, imagine this lame beggar. Imagine you're a friend of this guy, and as long as you've known your family member, as long as you've known, you've had to carry him to the temple because that's the only way he could get money. From birth, he's been crippled. You never played with him growing up. You never were able to do anything with him because he was always just crippled back at home. And finally, when he got of age, where he couldn't just live off his parents anymore, you began to drag him to the temple so he could make some sort of living. And this has all changed. For the first time, this man can stand. 
Like, just step back and think about the significance of that. For the first time, this guy can stand up and see his parents eye to eye. For the first time in his life, this man can stand up to defend himself. The first time in his life, this man can stand up to embrace a friend or a loved one. For the first time ever, like I said, we kind of gloss over this because we're so used to these stories, but imagine, first time ever, your, your brother, your sister can stand. How amazing is that to think of this? And so there he sit, stands in the shadow of the beautiful gate. Like I said, there were nine gates around the temple, and this was the most beautiful one. It was covered in Corinthian brass, and it's a two-story gate. The doors were so big that it says it took 20 men's full strength to open these doors. This was a grand gate. This was a grand entrance, the entrance that everyone would go in. And in the shadow of that lays a beggar every day, just asking for the leftovers from everybody, asking for the best of what man could give him, the best of what the world could give. But that day, he got so much more than he expected. Every day, he just asked for money, for food, for what the world had to offer. And Peter even says this, I don't have silver and gold. He's saying, I don't have what the world has to offer you. I have something better. I have something so much more amazing. You've been asking for what the world has, but I have something now in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. And I think that this story is our story as well. That like, whether we like it or not, we associate with this beggar because so often we're turning to the world for what the world has to offer. Turning to the world for wealth and power. Turning to the world for relationships that aren't how God planned turning to the world for the marriage the world tells us. We're turning to the world for quick fixes with addictions, with sex, with drugs, with alcohol, with, with gossip, with materialism, with shopping, with all these things. We're turning to the world for what they have to offer. And what is so much more is what the name of Jesus has to offer. This is where the beggar meets. That what the world had to offer wasn't enough. That what the world had to offer, Peter didn't give he gave Jesus. And this is our story as well. That what God has to offer is so much more than the power and the wealth that we pursue. What God has to offer in our marriages is so much more than what the world tells us. What God has to offer in our life as a fix is so much more powerful, so much better than what the world has to say. This is what God has to offer. And so we find ourselves as this beggar. Often in our life, we're looking for what the world has. Instead of realizing we could be pursuing what God has to offer. And so we see this. And we see the story. And as many of the stories of the physical healing as a direct correlation with a spiritual healing. That we can see the story of the beggar as a story of our spiritual journeys as well. That he's been crippled since birth. He's been shackled by the illness, whatever it might be that has caused him to not be able to walk, caused him to, to not be able to stand, caused him to sit and just beg on a dusty mat, has crippled him his whole life. And then, when he meets the power of the name of Jesus, when he meets Jesus Christ, he's set free. This is our spiritual story as well, that we're crippled by sin, 
We're, we're handcuffed and we're, we're chained by the things of this world, but when we find our freedom, when we confess that Jesus is our Savior, when, when we put our faith in him, when we put our trust in him, when we're baptized, when we believe, we are now free. And just like this beggar, I love this picture because when you look at this imagery of the beautiful gate, there are 12 grand steps that led up to this gate. And down below is Solomon's porch, and up above is the temple. And so if you read the story and you know the setting, it says that he was healed, and then it says that he began to run and jump into the temple. So this new man that's never been able to stand is so excited that he runs up these 12 stairs, and he's cheering and he's praising God up in the temple. And then as the crowd surrounds Peter and John, it says that they surround him in Solomon's porch, which was down below. And so the man's jumping and cheering in the temple, and he sees the crowd, and so he runs back down, and he's so excited to be consumed by the healing power of Jesus Christ that he's running and jumping on these stairs, things that he's never been able to do. And he's so excited to be healed. And as I say, this is the same as our spiritual story. Think about that excitement and do we have that excitement? Are we willing to run and jump and say that we're free from our sins, that Jesus died for us and he saved us? This should be something that we should be proclaiming, willing to run and all up and down stairs to be able to tell everyone and anyone that will listen. We have been set free from what's crippled us, our sins. And so, the story continues. Verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Peter kind of rebukes the people, for not for questioning that the man was healed, but for questioning where the power came from. It wasn't from Peter and John. It was from the power of God. Friday night was an amazing night, but it wasn't just from Tim and Debbie and the volunteers. It was the power of God that made it an amazing night. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit that made it an amazing night. And so we see that Peter and John are pointing the, the fame, pointing the praise to where it belongs. Not to Peter for healing the crippled man, but to God. The story continues. Peter says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You hand him over to be killed, and you disown him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. Peter kind of sums up the gospel here, the gospel message in this one paragraph. He says that Jesus was exalted, that Jesus was falsely accused and put to death, but that God raised him from the dead. And then he adds, by faith, we are changed. This is the gospel message in a nutshell. And he answers their question. As people are wondering, how did he get healed? And, and they're pointing to Peter and John, and they're saying, he did it. And, John, and Peter's directing the power back to Jesus. He answers their question of how did this happen. He says it's by his faith. It's not just the faith of Peter and John. 
They had faith that he would be healed. Peter had that faith when he reached out his hand. But he says it's by the faith of the man, the lame beggar. You got a picture that this man has come here every day. His family has carried him, placed him on the mat early in the morning, before morning prayers. He begs for food. He begs for money. Family comes and gets him as the sun's setting and carries him back home. Tomorrow, same thing. The next day, same thing. But I wonder if somewhere along those pet days, as Jesus was teaching in the temple, just a short time before this, we see in the book of Luke, Jesus is teaching in the temple. And you can't help but wonder if that beggar didn't hear some of the stories. If the beggar didn't hear the preaching of this man, of this rabbi that seemed so wise, that if the beggar didn't hear about the stories of what this man had done, if the beggar didn't hear about the stories of the, the feeding of the thousands or the bringing Lazarus to life, if he didn't hear the stories and the wisdom that Jesus had taught there in the temple, and then this beggar has heard, and he, he hears everything that's going on, and he hears about the murder that took place up on the hill. And then he's heard the rumors about that man that used to be teaching in the temple was brought back to life. And he believes. Because he heard the stories, he knew what Jesus was teaching and so this beggar that was sitting on a step asking for money has been growing in his faith. And so when they reach out and say in the name of Jesus, that man had faith in that name. There's power and authority in that name. And the man was restored. I don't know where you're at on your faith walk. If you've never given your life over to him, if you've been crippled and shackled by the sins, as this man was by his illness that plagued him from birth, I want to encourage you to be restored, to come and accept Jesus as your Savior. Come and talk to me or, or one of the leaders or, or the person sitting next to you and tell them, I, I'm ready to be free from this. I'm ready to be able to proclaim that Jesus is my Savior, that Jesus is my King, to run up and down the stairs and tell everyone that I believe in Jesus to be fully restored, that in the midst of your ordinary, to find something extraordinary. This morning, maybe you come, maybe you're here at church because this is what you do. That you grew up in church and we're here in the South and this is what we do on Sunday morning and then we go to Cracker Barrel, right? This is what we do. Maybe this is just your ordinary. This morning's not anything special. This is what I do every Sunday morning. But maybe this is the chance in the midst of the ordinary, the beggar had an ordinary, that something extraordinary will happen, and you give your life over to him. For those of you that are believers, look at the story of Peter and John. They're in the midst of their ordinary routine. They're just going to the temple to pray, and God put something in their path to do something extraordinary in the name of Jesus Christ. This is our story as well. That we often think to, to find your place in his story, to discover Jesus and find your place in his story must be something grand, and sometimes it is. For Debbie, this was amazing. This was her place in his story. This is what God intended for her to do. But for others of you, your place in his story might be tomorrow with that conversation with the coworker. It might be that day when you pull up to the intersection and you see that homeless man that's there every single day. And you roll down your window 
And don't just hand them a dollar, but you begin a conversation. Maybe the ordinary is the conversation that you need to have with your neighbor, or maybe it's in your own home. As you work on the relationships, the marriage that's fallen apart, or pour into your kids. Maybe your place in his story is something in your ordinary day. For Peter and John, this is what they did. This, they were not on a mission trip. They were not on a sense of serve Sunday. They were going through their normal routine. And God presented them something to be able to do in the name of Jesus. We come back to verse 6. I want to close with that verse. It says that, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In our Western world, names don't mean as much. They don't carry the weight that they do in the Bible times or even in the Eastern world. In the Eastern culture, that a name carries with it great power and authority. That if you say, I'm doing this in the name of so-and-so, then it is as if that person is there. It is as if that person has given the power and authority to do this. And so this is where Peter and John are coming from. When they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, they're saying as if Jesus is here, he is healing you. And think about that, that there's power in the name of Jesus. There's authority. There's authority over victory, over our sins. There's authority over the spiritual realm that's going on around us all the time. The power of Jesus' name is authority. There's power in this name. And we take this name so lightly sometimes. And we hear Jesus' name when people use it as a swear word and it doesn't even make us cringe. But think about what they're doing. They're taking the name of the power and authority of all of God's kingdom and using it as a swear word. There is power in that name. And so as we see the story of Peter and John, I want you to, to relate to this. As I said, in some ways we can relate to the beggar that now we've been set free from what's crippled us. But I also want you to relate to Peter and John because you have the power of Jesus Christ behind you. We have the power of the name of Jesus. And so as we go about our ordinary, find ways for God to do the extraordinary. As we go about the mundane, find ways for him to do amazing things. In the name of Jesus Christ, there's power in that name. Just stand with me and, and let us just pray to the one that has that power. Lord, I come to you and just pray right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, that we would find the opportunities in our ordinary life to allow you to do something extraordinary. To find ways that we can find our place in your story this afternoon, tomorrow morning, around the water cooler, this week at school, in our homes. God, let us find a way to be part of your story in our everyday, ordinary life. God, we thank you that we're free, as the beggar was free, and we're free from our sins. And God, if there's anyone here that's grappling with that, that's struggling with that, that needs that freedom, Lord, I just pray you put this burden on their heart to come and talk to someone this morning. And Lord, for those of us that know of our freedom, I pray you put it on a burden on our heart to realize the power of your name 
power of the Holy Spirit. And yet, let us call on that name this week and see the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary to see what we never expected. In your name, Jesus Christ.